Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Morning. Hey guys, Neil, thank you for leading us in worship, brother. It's a powerful time to gather and worship and um, thank you, man, for entering us in the kingdom, and I was blessed to, to do that. I hope you were encouraged by the worship this morning. Guys, again, we keep offering this uh, Right Now Media to you. I'm hearing a lot of great things. People are jumping on and getting in studies at home and doing a lot of different things, so I want to encourage you. That's free. Just go in. It's for a gift for you. You have access to studies and things for the kids and apologetics and a lot of different things, so I want to encourage you to, to go ahead and jump under that as a gift from our church to you. Hey, we're going to be in Luke, the eighth chapter. So if you your Bible, look into Luke chapter eight, four, verses four through 15 this morning. Many are familiar with this parable. It's a very well-known parable. We're going to be looking at the parable of the sower this morning. So I'll give you a few minutes to jump. It's the gospel of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke. If you go to the New Testament, it's the third book in. Um, St. Luke, Luke the apostle who wrote the, the gospel of Luke, the book of Acts. The same guy who's doing that, we're going to hear from his perspective on this story. We know that an acorn is a small seed. It's a nut, to be exact. An acorn gets planted in the ground. It is hard to believe that the acorn has the potential to be a full-size oak tree. God's word, planted in right soil of the heart, has the potential to strengthen us like an oak tree. The power of God's word can transform us and strengthen us. This morning, we're going to be looking at the parable of the sower. My hope is for you is you'll see yourself in the story and determine where you are with God when you hear the story. Like every story, there's it has its dangers, its villains, its trials, its difficulties, its victories. And you'll see that in this story today, what character are you in it? My prayer that in this story, like many stories we read about and watch on TVs, has an apt happy ending. Because this story does have a happy ending. If you follow the thoughts like. The last few weeks, guys, we've been reviewing and going over our mission as a church, as this is the new year, just remind you, because there's a lot of you that are new with us, we're trying to remind you about who our mission is and why we exist and, and, and why we do what we do. We've looked at the issues of transformation and we looked at how God wants to transform communities and wants to transform our lives. Last week, we looked about starting our E4 purpose, looking about how we are called to express our love. This week, we're gonna be looking at what it means to be equipped or be to equip the saints. Because God's called us to discipleship. He's called us to the ministry of growth and maturity. He's called us to pour into others just as much as people are pouring into us. He's called us to that ministry. That we're God's chosen people, not God's frozen people. That we're to be multipliers. We're to be people that are to pass on what we've learned. We're, We're to be givers. Givers of the seed, givers of the truth, giver of God's word. But before we can be giver, we have to know what we're going to give. <laughs> and we have to be equipped with that. And so we look about equipping the saints this morning. 
Here's the new vision statement. I just want to read it as I've been reading it every week so you're familiar with it. New vision exists to transform people and their communities by replicating the followers of the biblical Jesus. Number one, we look to Jesus. He is the one we follow. He is the one that we worship. That's what we sang about today. He is our God. He is our example. We want to follow the Jesus of the scriptures. That's why we study the scriptures. By expressing what? Love. We talked about expressing love last week. Our love for God and our love for others. That was one of Jesus' great commandments, right? To, to love him and to love others. We looked at that last week. This morning, we're looking at equipping believers. Next week, we'll be looking at empowering the service and evangelizing near fall in the coming weeks. This is where we're going as we look at this, as this new sermon series called Remind. I want to remind you of our mission. At the beginning of the year, I want to remind you of our mission. And we're going to look at the story of the parable of the sword to remind us about equipping. Let's pray this morning. But before we do that, let's read the scriptures. Luke chapter 8, starting at verse 4. It says, when a great multitude had gathered and they had come to him from every city, he spoke by a parable. A sword went out to sow a seed and it was sown. Some fell by the wayside and it was trampled down and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, yielded a crop of, of a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then the disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And he said, To you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest is, be, is given in parables, that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. And those by the wayside are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word out of the hearts, lest, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, who believe for a while and in time of temptation fall away. Now the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and choke with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity." But the ones that fell on good ground are those having heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. Father, we thank you for the reading of the word. Father, that the reading, there's a blessing in the reading and the hearing of the word your scripture promises us. And so I pray today, Lord, we receive that blessing as we study your word. We're praying that your spirit would speak. Father, we're praying that your spirit would give us revelation. We're praying your spirit would give us understanding. We're praying as the sower is sowing, Lord, that it's going to fall on good soil. We're praying this morning that it falls on the heart of men and women and children. As they hear your words this morning, Lord, they're going to understand it plainly. And they're going to find themselves in the story. And that, Father, they're going to respond accordingly. So we thank you. We praise you. Uh, we honor you, this, honor you this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen, amen, amen. amen. First thing about equipping, like equipping believers, is that equipping happens through stories. Equipping through stories, right? Stories are the, are the seeds that are, plant, that are planted to bring about change, right? Many of you, like me, I'm sure many of you had children, and many of you have shared with your children your own life experiences and stories to teach them life lessons, to teach them life things. Jesus is going to begin to do the same thing as he begins to lay out this parable. He wants to give him some spiritual understanding. He wants to give him some spiritual life lessons. And so he 
begins to tell this story, this, this parable. Jesus is the greatest storyteller ever. Much of his writings, much of what he did was always in stories. In fact, all the, I encourage you to read the Gospels because they're just a whole bunch of stories is what it is. And in the storytelling, he brings out meaning. He brings out uh, life, things that we need to bear of, spiritual truths. But why does he do it? Because storytelling will get people's attention. Once upon a time, oh, what is he going to say? It gets, it gets our attention. That's why we see here in verse 4, and when a great multitude had gathered, they had come to him from every city. He spoke by a parable. We know that this parable, the story, is found in all three Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We, we read that story. And so we're going to look at it from the perspective of Luke this morning, but we will bounce back and forth to the other Gospels to get a better picture of what's He's trying to get across this morning. But what does he do? He, he's, at a, he's, a, he's along, he's having a, a, a beachside storytelling time. Because if you, if you read the whole story through these four Gospels, we read in Matthew and Mark that we find them that he's at the beach by the Sea of Galilee. And the multitudes are coming and he's having a seaside chat with the people. In fact, it says that the multitude was coming, that there was a large crowd, and that it was so large that Jesus had to get on a boat and speak from a boat out to the crowd that they began to press into him, and they had been coming from every city around that region. Why were they coming? Because guess what? Because in verses 1 through 3, we read what? That he had been traveling city to city talking about the kingdom of God. That he'd been sharing about the truth of God and telling them, and I'm sure that they're, they're being drawn by his words. He, and then he sits down and begins to give a, a, a series studies on parables. If you look at the other one, especially in Mark, Matthew chapter 13. This is not the only parable he tells by that seashore, but this is the one we're reading from the, the gospel of Luke. That there were many parables that he told. Many stories that he told to the people. But there was such a hunger to come see him. And they were traveling all around to come see him. I don't know what the motivation was in their coming. But what is Jesus doing? Like a farmer, he's casting seed. And like a fisherman, he's casting his net. What he's doing, he's casting out about the kingdom of God that he would grab and bring so many people into the kingdom. I don't know why you're here this morning. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and you follow this biblically. Maybe you're curious this morning. Maybe you're not really convinced about it, but you're here to be convinced. I don't know the reason by which you're here, but God knows. God knows the heart of men. He knows your purpose. He knows your motivation. He knows all that. But I'm hoping that as the word goes forth, it's going to fall on good soil. That's going to be planted deeply in your hearts. Deep that it would grow. We know that Jesus had been traveling with the 12 and with some women and they're gathering and this multitude is here and they're gathering to hear the parable. But what is a parable? A parable is just a story. It's a, it's a method of equipping and storytelling. A parable was an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's what a parable was. Jesus wanted to bring to light some spiritual truths. And, and so stories or parables are like illustrations in his sermons and, and ways to communicate to get the people's attention. That's the purpose of these stories. I remember, I'm sure, I've told a lot of stories to my kids growing up, and you get through tensions. We, we tell stories in our children's ministry when they read them books in the Bible, so they would learn it's the stories you know what the sad thing about many of the kids today in our communities and our world is they don't know the stories of the Bible. 
They don't know the Jonah story, and, and they don't know the Balaam story, and the Tonky Donkey story, and, and all. They don't know these stories. They don't know a lot of stories today because we haven't passed down the stories. It's our job to, to give and pass out and give these stories to the next generation. But Jesus can tell the story about the parable right here. And what does he do? Jesus begins to lay down the groundwork through the story of his purpose and his kingdom and why he's coming. He's, he's going to begin to till the soil of the ground. And we see that in 5 through 8. Look at this. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and it was trampled down and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock. And as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some fell among the thorns and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on the good ground, sprang up, yields his crops hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, he who has ears, let him hear. If you have your Bible there or whatever, look at the words, fell by the wayside, fell on the rock, fell among the thorns, fell on good ground. Just underline those things because Jesus is going to break down. He's going to talk about each of these things in a moment. But we know that Jesus would often teach using visual illustrations. He would do that, right? When he called Peter and James and John where they're fishing, he knew that they were fishermen. And he says, guess what? Now I'm going to make you fishers of men, right? When he visits the woman at the well, right? He said, I'm the living water, right? When Jesus referred to himself, right? Because he was a carpenter, he said, I am the door. Every time that Jesus began to reveal what his purpose is or what he would do, he would use illustrations of the time. And I can only imagine he probably was able to discern who was visiting him on that shore. He was able to say, okay, here's, the, here's my context to my audience. I bet you a bunch of these cats are farmers, so we're going to talk about a farming story here because this was an agricultural society and there were a lot of farmers. So he's going to use farming terminology to get the hearts of people because he knows his audience. Luke's right away says, a sower went out to sow his seed. But if you look at Mark's gospel, it says this, listen, exclamation point, a sower went out to sow his seed. I love that. Because he wants to get the ear of the people. Listen, right? I know how it is when you guys send text messages to each other, but if you really want to get somebody's attention, you capitalize the text. It's like shouting, right? Oh, this guy's really mad at me. It's all big text, big letters. If you, if, so when we text people, we make it large. What Gospel of Mark and what Mark is saying is, listen, I, I really hope you catch this story and the meaning of this story because he who has ears to hear let him hear see equipping first starts with listening equipping first starts with listening are you willing to listen in order to learn we have to listen we have to pay attention i coached basketball for many many years when i was younger and and uh, and i said you listen with your eyes what you listen with your eyes. And they're like, no, we don't. We listen with our ears. No, today you're listening with your eyes. Because if I have your eyes, I have your ears. And so he wants to have both your eyes and ears this morning to listen in order to be equipped about the things of God. We know that the seed is the word of God and the soil represents four different types of hearts. The heart is the soil, Right? So it's alluding for different types of people in their, in their hearts, in their response to hearing this truth. 
They're going to respond to hearing this parable, and Jesus is going to lay out this story in a way to say, I'm going to do some revelation. I'm going to reveal some things about the nature and the character of people in light of the response of the gospel, because the seed is the word of God. The seed is the gospel. The seed is about the kingdom of God, because Jesus came teaching about this new kingdom. And he's starting to, and he is the, he is the farmer, he is the planter that's casting out seed, which is the word of God. That's what he's doing right now in light of saying, you know what this truth does? It'll reveal our hearts. It will reveal our hearts. And so he mentions four types of receptive hearts or soil, right? But I want you to understand the seed is the word, the word never changes, the word is truth. The heart will change. There's different types of hearts out there, but the seed never change. There might be methods by which we preach the gospel that might be different, but the message still stays the same. There may be different avenues by which we proclaim the gospel, but the gospel is still the same. The seed is still the same. The message is still the same. And so Jesus is sowing the seed, but he's going to reveal to us about how those respond to the seed or the word of God. He talks about those that fell by the, the wayside in verse five. The word fell on hard ground. A lot of times they would, the farmer would be on a horse, be walking and getting the seed and just throwing it out. And sometimes when you farm, you used to you know, make a groove in the ground or plow the ground to throw the seed, but sometimes the seed would fall outside of those grooves and people would walk on it and trample on it. It often reminds me of the wayside of those that are hikers, right? You hike on a, a path, and that path is, is hard. There's vegetation on each side, but the path is hard because people walk on it so that when you try to plant, it, it doesn't grow very deep because the dirt is hard. For years, my wife and I, we have a hillside in the back of our house, and it's, it's, we're trying to plant seeds and flowers, but we've planted many times. Because the ground is so hard, it doesn't take roots. He's saying the seed's going to fall on the wayside here. What does that mean? Who, what does he reference to Jesus here? I think he's talking about people that maybe hear the word, but pay no mind to the word. They're just walking. They're just doing life without God. God is not even, Sunday morning of gathering is not even a consideration for them. They don't even think about that. We were trying to minister to a couple years ago who were going through, didn't know the Lord in our neighborhood, Julie and I, and we, and when they went through some different times, we said, hey, would you, they were going to move, would you go to, maybe there's a church right here, and they looked like a church, why would we go to church? See, it's, it's where we are trying to plant seeds, but there was no even thought about faith things. We live in a culture, a postmodern culture that is not mindful of faith things, the things of God. And they, might, and they might be very good people. They might see themselves as very good people and, and their identity is, is what, they, what they do. And maybe their identity is even trying to make a, a name for themselves and work themselves up the ladder and get a good job and have a family. And, do, and those are all good and fine and, and nice. But that's their mission. That's their purpose. That's their goal, right? But this seed falls and they hear the gospel, pay no mind to it. And in some ways, they might even willfully refuse might even read fully for you. So this falls on the wayside, this, this hardness of heart, this soil that's hard. Then he talks about those that fall on the rock, kind of stony ground. 
right? And that day they had roads that were like pebbles or rocks and you would walk and, but you still had cracks where like grass could grow through or things could happen. And, and so the weed is cast out, the seed is cast out, I'm sorry, into the ground, into the rocky soil, but it could get through the crevices. And what happens? We've all seen this when it rained this last couple of weeks. I have pavers in my backyard so I can see when the rain hit, the little weeds start to pop up, right? And they, they popped up really quick, right? You don't have to care for weeds. They just pop up. You don't have to tend to them. You don't have to nurture them. You don't have to, they just pop up, right? And you have to pluck them out, right? He's talking about how the seed, the word is planted, and it goes into the heart of people, and then it, it, it pops up quickly. And, 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 it, and it is that these people that hear, they're, they're, they're have an openness to the gospel, they're not, they're not opposing the gospel, right? They might even have a, a religious experience, right? They, they receive it joyfully. They, they're cool with it. But what happens is, but it, it, it goes away quickly. They might have a, a, an experience in church or a moment in God with church, and they come and they receive, and then they go. There's no abiding relationship with God. Right? There's no growth and there's no maturity. It's a, it's a growth spurt and then dies. Right? You ever seen kids when they get a growth spurt? Man, I saw you last year. Now you're this big and you have that growth spurt. Sometimes they have a spiritual growth spurt, but then they don't mature. And we, and we see that when they fall on rocky soil and they don't give time to mature. They're dried up. They're parts. It says that the moisture doesn't get them. They have desert experiences. Dry experiences. They're dried up and parched people. I think that's why Jesus is the living water for those that are thirsty. But they haven't had moisturizer on them. <laughs> for, that, for that, what's that dry skin you get? Right? What's that word we call it? Ashy? They have an ashy spirit. You know what I mean? <laughs> Got to take away the ash. You know falls on the rock, but also says it falls among the thorns, falls among the thorns. And again, that there's an openness to the gospel, right? But these are the ones that worry about life, right? They, they worry about the cares of this world. The pressures consume them, life, And then life seems to choke out their joy. Man, this COVID thing has choked out a lot of joy for people. Fear and anxiety and worry and what if this happens? What if, they live in the what ifs and this could happen and this could happen and oh, I, I better be careful. I ran into somebody who, who has a cold and then they're coughing and they're, and they're like, what if I get it? And, and we get fearful and anxious and the cares, right? Guys, first of all, I want you to tell you this is a, a, a safe zone. What I mean by that is a free zone. There's no judgment here. I only know of one judge. That's God, and you're not the judge. And people get sick, people don't get sick. People wear masks, and people don't wear masks. This is a free zone here for us. And not, no judgment here, wherever your stand is on that. But don't judge others if their stance is different than yours. It's a free zone. I want you to pray for our community and our family, because we do have sick. You know, Neil's blessed us last week, but, you know, we know that Franklin's been sick with COVID, and he's been down. Some of our leadership have been down. Some of our people in the church have been down from this thing. We pray for them. We don't judge them. <laughs> you know, we pray for them. Whether they took, got vaccinated, didn't get vaccinated. I, I, we just pray for them. Our, 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 it's not words of judgment. It's words of prayer. Because that takes away the anxiety. That takes away the fear. 
That takes away from those things. And, and so this morning, we, we have to begin to understand, let's not be consumed by all the craziness that's out there. Could choke out our joy. We meditate on those things rather instead of meditating on God. Because we know in Philippians says what? Meditate on those things that God will guard your heart and mind with peace. Meditate, meditate on heavenly things. Things that are good and noble and right and excellent. And if you do these things, God will guard your heart and mind with peace and joy. And so we have those people that the soil, again, it's on this rocky ground. They're, and on these and, and on these, and, and they're and they're 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 walking on rocky ground here. And then there's the thorns, right? And but lastly, fell on good ground, right? Verse eight. Those are the ones that get rooted and grounded. They're the ones that hear the word and receive the word and believe the word and get planted in the word. And their and their roots grow deep, 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 deep into the ground. So when the storms do come and and when the and the COVID do come and the plagues do come and the cancer comes and the, the, everything we face physically comes, that we're still grounded and we still have hope. And not only do we have hope, we bear fruit in it. We're multipliers in it, right? We've been poured into to be poured out. We bear fruit. We multiply in that fruit. So he's telling the stories about these four different types of people, these four different types of heart. He's telling the story about these very things. And so we know equipping comes by storytelling. But then there's a pause for a moment in the time with Jesus. And, and the, those that are following begin to ask a question. And here's the second thing. Equipping comes through questions. Equipping through questions. Right? You're going to see this in the story. Look at verses 9 and 10, right? We're going to look at how the, the disciples begin to ask questions. I don't know. Growing up with four kids, we used to go to vacation all the time. And when they were young, they would always ask questions. You ever drive with your kids and they start asking, Dad, why is this this? And you kind of give an answer, but why is that that? And then you give another answer, and say, but, but why is that that? And they keep asking you the whys. And then you tell them, shut up, I'm tired of asking your whys. You know what I mean? Because curious minds want to know, right? Kids love to ask questions. God's children should love to ask questions. And so we learn by asking questions. No question is a bad question. If you want to learn, don't be afraid to ask questions. A lot of people in the scriptures ask questions. And the disciples are no different. The, the ladies and the men that were traveling with Jesus were no different in asking questions. And guys, it's okay to ask questions about what's going on. It's okay to ask questions about faith. It's okay to ask. It's even okay, I'm going to throw this out, to doubt. That's part of growing and learning. God, why am I doubting in this area? Even the man who asked his son to be healed, Jesus said, do you believe? Yeah, I believe. But then he prayed, Lord, help my unbelief. Right? We, what does that tell me about that man? It tells me about this man, what? He said he, he had a faith, but when, it, when that faith needed to be in check, there's a moment to say, God, do I really believe you? Do I believe that you're really true in this moment, at this time, in my need? Do I really believe you? I know I believe you theologically. I believe you're true in my mind, but now I'm going to try to be, believe you're true in life, in application. See, 
doubts or fears. It's okay. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm really struggling with this. God, I, I'm here's where I'm at. And so the disciples ask a question because learners ask questions. Look at verse nine. Then the disciples ask him, saying, what does this parable mean? You, you threw out, you slinged out this word, God. You, you, you're, you're spreading the seed. I'm, we're listening here. The multitudes are listening. Lord, break it down. Speak, speak to us, Lord, about what it means. And I love this about the disciples. The disciples had enough relationship with God and with each other to ask that question. To ask that question. They were comfortable enough to, to ask Jesus this, this questions. They were interested in the words of Jesus. They were saying, please give us understanding. And both men and women were there dialoguing with Christ because truth is important, right? Guys, it's important that you get in communities where you can ask questions, right? We do a one-on-one -on -one discipleship here. Maybe that's a time you need to get plugged in, men with men and women with women, to sit down to ask questions about your faith. We have people ready to meet with you. We have life groups. Pastor Sean runs our life groups here. And we meet in small groups to study the passages I'm going to preach on to be able to ask questions and learn and grow together. That you can ask questions about, wait a minute, why does Jesus say this? And, and those are the times we can ask questions. We have men in women's ministries that we meet and learn the things of God so you can ask questions and learn and grow. Because iron sharpens iron. We need to be in community that we can express our love and encourage one another and good works and worship. It's just not what happens here on Sunday morning. You need to be in this community to grow. And what does Jesus do? He, he gives the answer to the purpose of the parable. He answers it, their question. And look what he says here. And he said, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest is given the parable that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. God has given them a gift here. He said, he's saying here, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Look it, you've been blessed because I'm sharing with the kingdom of God. I'm teaching about the kingdom of God. Even the Jews in Romans 9 said, you've been blessed with the oracles of God, meaning the Old Testament and the words of God and the Torah. You've been blessed with the words. You as God's people have been blessed with God's word about who Jesus is. That's the gift. In fact, in 2006, a study came out that one in five gift cards were not used. And it was estimated about $1 billion were not claimed. They discovered four reasons why people didn't cash them in. Here they are. Too busy. Too busy, didn't use my card. I know some of you got gift cards for Christmas probably. Too busy, didn't use. Second, not finding what they wanted. Didn't use it because didn't find what they wanted. Third, they lost the card. They lost the card. And lastly, the card expired. What a bummer card. What a bummer gift. Expiration, you know, gift card. But the card expired. Why? Because many did not see the value of the card and made excuses for not using the card. Jesus has generously given us the opportunity for people to hear about the kingdom and be recipients of this greatest gift, which is Christ himself. How many people have been given excuses why they haven't taken the gift and they haven't used the gift? In fact, he refers to them that in, in the verse, he refers to the fact seeing they do not see and hearing they do not understand. What he's saying is, I'm speaking to you the things of God. Some will understand and some won't understand. Some this morning, I might be speaking to you through the scriptures and you think I'm speaking a foreign language. 
I, I, you know, we're, we're speaking the things of God, and you're like, what does that mean? And I know there's a lot of terminology in scriptures you may not be familiar with. I know there might be things you may not understand. But, but I, I think the longer you stay in the word, the longer you stay, you'll begin to understand. It'll begin to make sense if you give your time enough time to keep reading it. Because the mystery, there's a mystery to this, right? The Old Testament was the mystery. The mystery in the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus, the Messiah who was to come, but the Jews didn't see the mystery. And some people today don't see the mystery that Old Testament is pointing to the New Testament. The mystery revealed in Jesus. There's a mystery in the Old Testament that he had this nation, a tribe of Jewish people that he loved, but in the New Testament, the mystery is going to be the church. This diverse multicolored, multi-ethnic, multi-economic, multi-educational church that in that time was unheard of because the Gentiles and Jews, they didn't get along. But God broke down the dividing wall to make us one. That, that was a mystery that, that was being revealed. He, he said, look, there's a mystery that I'm revealing, but not everybody's going to get it. Not everybody's going to catch it. There's a mystery that's happening. In fact, in this passage, if you want to get more detail, turn to Matthew, the 13th chapter. Look at verse 11. He gives us more detail and expound it because he begins to quote and teach out of Isaiah 6, 9, and 10. Using the Old Testament prophet referring to the New Testament. He begins to do that. Some people just aren't going to see it. I mean, years ago, I was making me a sandwich. And I needed mustard and mayonnaise. And so I went into my refrigerator and I'm looking and all the food and everything's in my refrigerator. And I'm like, looking, where's the, where's the, the mayonnaise? I can't find the mayonnaise. I'm looking, 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 looking. I said, hey, Julie, Julie, do we have any mayonnaise? So he goes, yeah, it's in the refrigerator. No, 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 I'm looking in the refrigerator. I don't see it. I'm looking, looking, looking. She comes in, she goes, it's right here. She grabs it right in front of me. Here it is. <laughs> That's how it is today in the world. It's right in front of us sometimes, but we just can't see it. We just can't see it. The truth is right in front of us, but people, for some reason, just cannot see it. Paul, the apostle, writes to the Ephesians, says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart, remember we talked about the heart earlier, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know of the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. They open the eyes of our hearts. If our hearts are closed, our eyes won't see. So open up our hearts. So we, we are equipping by asking questions and then we get to get answers in that process as we're studying through it, as we're working through it. But here's the third thing, guys. Equipping through spiritual truths. We get equipped through learning spiritual truths. We see that in verses 11 through 15. I know, I used to throw birthday parties for my kids all the time. And, and one of the things when you throw a party, you always got to go get balloons, Right? So for us, we go to the 99-cent store. We don't go to the Target anymore because we get them cheaper at 99-cent store. You go to 99 and you buy the balloons, not the little packs of balloons that are just got to blow up, but you, you, you buy the ones with helium in it, right? Because those are the ones that, are, that, that will, will rise. Those are the ones that are up in the air. You, you tie them off with a, a, a string because you don't want them to, to fly away, Right? And then you take them in your car and you drive them and they're bouncing them while you're driving. <laughs> driving. And then, then you get home and then you got you to gotta tie them to a chair or, or tie them, put a little tie on the bottom of weight to, to hold them down, right? 
See, the nature of the helium balloon is that it, that it wants to fly. It wants to, to go up, but it's anchored to something that keeps it from flying. Many people have been created to soar, but because they've been anchored themselves to this world, they've been found from being all that God created them to be, to fly and to soar. And there are things that we have to learn to break us free. There's things we have to understand that will equip us in our own walk with God. There's some truths that we have to know and some realities we have to face in order to mature, in order to grow. And so there are three things that can hinder our development in faith sometimes. Or we have to understand that we're going into, number one, here it is, that, that there's spiritual warfare happening all the time. There's a battle going on. There's a war going on in for your faith, right? So equipping, equipping is a battle. I know that because some of you, and some of you have battled whether I want to go to church this morning or not. I'm in my bed. It's warm. It's nice. It's comfortable. You know what? We live in an online time now. I could just turn on the online, work from my computer, from my bed, drink my coffee, do all that and be all that. I'm sorry for those that are online. Don't mean to diss you. Okay? But we could, we're comfortable, right? And, and that's all good. That's fine. I'm not here to judge that. I told not about judging. I'm casting stones. But there's something about community. Something about us being present with each other because that's maybe that's why the author Hebrew 10 says, do not forsake the fellowship to express love, to encourage us one for good works. We need, we need that. But, but we have to understand there's a battle going on, right? And we see in the story, he's telling the story about this warfare in the story, if you catch it. Because now he's going to break down the parable to make sense. He, he's gonna, Jesus is going to begin to expand. He, he told the story. They asked a question about the story. Now he's going to break it down, the meaning of the story. And that's what you get here. Starting at verse 11. Now the parable is this. Let me tell you what the story is about. The seed is the word of God. We know that. We talked about that. And those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes it away, the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. We know that earlier in the passage, verse 5 and verse 12 here defines the birds as Satan himself. The ravens, the birds come. The seed is planted, it's, it's cast under the ground. It's passed, and it's, you ever planted seed or grass seed in your house? And then the birds come down and try to snatch up that seed so it doesn't germinate. I'm hoping that as the word is being cast out, whether online or whether here right now, that the enemy is not coming and trying to pluck up the seed because there's a battle. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to know the truth. This creature was created to devour the word, to devour the gospel, right? We know that in the very beginning of time, it wasn't a bird that devoured the truth. It was a serpent, right? The word was planted in the heart of Adam and Eve that they should not partake of a certain tree, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. That was the command. That was the word. That was the gospel truth. And yet the serpent came and questioned the woman and began to steal the truth from her. Be careful that people don't come in and steal the truth from you. Because in the story, we see this truth being robbed. And today people are trying to rob us of the truth. So we must understand that we have an enemy who will oppose our own personal growth, our preaching of the gospel, the hearing of the word, to get grounded. The enemy's coming, so it robs the word of those that 
won't be converted or come to faith or be born of the Spirit or born again. They don't respond. We're asking that people respond to the Word of God, but we know Satan is also responding to the preaching of God. It's both responding here, right? And Satan, and Satan knew the urgency of it. It says that he immediately and he came and he take it away, referring to the Word. We want people to respond immediately. If you hear Mark's gospel, his word in Mark's gospel, if you read it always, is the word immediately. There was an urgency. But we also said there's an urgency that the enemy knows. Your most vulnerable in your walk with God is when you first come to faith. Because you're not rooted and grounded yet. You don't understand your spiritual armor. You don't understand this walk. And the enemy will come and bring doubts and confusion and misunderstanding and even conflict and even whatever to rob you of the truth, to snatch up that truth you just received. And it's at that moment of vulnerability, right? It says, it, it says he came, lest they believe, the scripture says. It came at the moment, right when they're ready to receive, lest they believe, I snatched it up, right? See, it says Satan, wants to dig up the word and that was planted. He wants to take it out of the heart. In fact, the word, the word wayside, planet, fall on the wayside, it actually translates journey, that you're on a journey. If you're here for the first time, guys, checking us out, you're visiting with us this morning or visiting us online, guys, give us three weeks so you can hear the word. You can grow the word. If new vision is in your place for you, Come to us, come to leadership, and we'll help you find the church that better fits you. I want you somewhere, growing and learning and being grounded in the word. Right? Give, some, give some time in your journey to see what God's going to do by the teaching of the word, because you can never underestimate, under, underestimate the work of God in your life. Allow the journey to be completed in your sense of beginning your walk of coming to faith. So we see that there's a, a spiritual battle going on. But we also have to understand, maybe they've heard a costless gospel. A costless gospel, right? Talks about the elements of a stony ground, the, the elements. Look at verse 13. But the ones on the rock are those when they hear, receive the word with joy. Again, they're open, they receive it. And these have no root who believe for a while in a time of temptation fall away. This gospel, this following Jesus is not easy. I'm not going to preach you an easy gospel. It's actually going to cost you something. Uh, the people here haven't considered the cost of Luke 14 to deny yourself, take up your cross and come follow me, to put God first, to love, to love God more than you love others. There's a cost to this gospel. There's a, a cost to follow Jesus. This is a no easy gospel. This, is, this ain't no tiptoe through the tulips gospel. This ain't, this ain't no, hey, it's all love and butterflies. That, that's not the gospel that we read about. The gospel costs something. The gospel, Jesus died for the gospel. He's not looking for, you know, wishy-washy believers. He's not. It costs something. Christ died for you, right? That you can live for him. There was a cost for that. And here we see people can, can accept this gospel really easy. I mean, you know, I, I, and I'm probably guilty as this just like any pastor. We want you to come and, hey, come and raise your hand and come forward. And that's the beginning. 
of that altar call of faith. You're, you want to believe and you want to receive God. You, wanna, you want the things of God. But understand, as soon as you walk out these doors, you have a bullseye on you. The enemy knows you right away. He's going to come right away. He's going to drop the laundry list on you. He's gonna, you're going to feel shame and guilt because you're not worthy. And all these things are going to come hitting your way. And then you go tell your friends and you go tell your parents like, oh, I received Jesus. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, right. You know, you're going to go back the way you were. I've heard it all before. Is this something new you're trying? Right? It's a new fad. Oh, you're getting religion now. I've heard it all. All these different things here, right? They hear the word, they believed it, and they received it gladly. They received it enthusiastically and emotionally, but they haven't considered the cost of it. And maybe you think, if I follow Jesus, life's going to be easier. Guys, it might get worse. I'm not, I'm not going to beat around the bush. It could get harder. It could get harder, this following Jesus. Because now you become light in the darkness. Now you're fish swimming upstream. Now you're standing up for righteousness sake. If they hated Jesus, they're going to hate you. you know, if they hate Jesus, they're going to hate you. See, see the, the thing here, guys, is I want you to understand that I'm not peddling this costless grace thing. Yes, there's hope and there's power and there's life and there's joy. Man, don't get it wrong. I don't want you to twist it. But I'm not saying that if you get the new car, the new thing, man, everything's going to be peachy keen. It's not. You're going to have to forgive some people you don't want to forgive. You're going to have to love people that maybe you don't like to love. You're going to have to sacrifice things you're not ready to sacrifice. You're going to have to give up things, some things you're not ready to give up. Because it's going to cost you something. This is what the gospel does. And so you have here this costless gospel, a rootless faith. They, 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 people come and they receive it, and, they, and yet they come and go. There's inconsistency in their walk. There's no depth to their faith. They're not grounded yet. So the word falls on rocky ground, limestone. They're not being equipped to the Lord. They're not grounded in the faith. They come and go. What were the elements of a time uprooted, right? Saying that these people, that their faith is going to be tested. Your faith is going to be tested, right? When you come to faith, the enemy's putting a full court press on you. A full court press. In fact, the word fall away in the Greek, where it means to desert or fall from the faith. In Mark's translation of this verse, Mark has translated the used word stumble to mean scandalize. means you can't stand up to the truth. There's a point where you're going to have to stand up. There's a point you're going to say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus in the midst of your friends. There's a point where you're going to have to confess or you're not. There's a point you're going to, you have to let your light out. And some people fall. Nope, can't handle that. Nope. Here's the third thing that battles emotional stresses. Emotional stresses, right? The thorns. Fell on the thorns, the thistles bearing these weeds, right? Now, the ones that fell among the thorns are those who, when they have heard, again, they, they heard it and they go out and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. Bring no fruit to maturity. See, the cares and the 
concerns crowd out God's word. It chokes out God's word, right? They hear the word. The word is presented. They receive it. Then they crash. <laughs> and then they crash. They're crashed by the cares of the world. They're, they're, they're being suffocated. What does the word cares mean? It, 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 they feel the pressures and demands of the world. It, they face the fears and the anxieties and the depressions. But God has given us a way how to face those things. The apostle Peter writes, who was the most, one of the most persecuted apostles, who wrote about persecution in his epistle, says this, cast all your cares upon him for he cares for you. The way, why you feel the cares is you're carrying the load and not Jesus carrying the load. You're carrying the fear and the anxiety and the burdens to say, Lord, this is not mine, it's yours. Let me take these feelings, emotions, and uh, things, and Lord, I'm giving them to you, and you're giving them to Jesus. All, who are loving, come, all those who are heavy laden, come unto me, and I will give you rest. Learn of me. Be equipped of me, he says. Listen. People that crash aren't giving it over to Jesus. They're carrying it. God never created you to carry that load and that burden. He's the savior of the world. You're not the savior of the world. He, he'll take care of the concerns of the world. Right? Don't the birds of the air have nests and foxes have holes? Lilies cared for every day. How much must they not care for you? He will care for you. So your anxieties and fears and concerns of the what if. I say, God, I don't, maybe I don't know where that next bill is going to be paid. But God, you do. I'm going to trust you in that. And so he's, he says there's people who be, be crashed because they carry the cares of the world. Or the riches, right? They desire for wealth and materialism. The deceitfulness of riches. Hey guys, listen. Money's not evil. Money's not bad. There, there's God, we use money for the ministry. We use money. But that's not, that's not the problem. Obviously, we know that the love of money is the root of all evil. We know that, the, the greed of it. Hey, a knife in the hand of a person depends, depends whether it's good or bad. The knife in the hand of a surgeon heals and the knife in the hand of a thief kills. It's not the knife that's bad. It's only the tool. And so wealth is a tool for the kingdom or the kingdom of darkness. Right? And so we see here there's a desire, there, there's a worship aspect of material things and riches, right? But what did Jesus say to us? How do we overcome? He says, seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Do you see the priority there? It's not seek the riches, it's seek the king. Because the king's the one who holds the riches. We walk righteously with what he's given because when much is given, much is required. There's a cost there. If you've been given blessed with wealth, there's a requirement for what you do with your wealth. But be careful that we're not consumed by our wealth and desire or, or those things. And we can make a lot of different idols. We can make wealth an idol. We can make our name an idol. We can make our different things idols in our, in our life that, that are not honorable to God. We can make pleasure an idol, right? They love the world more than they love God. It'll make them crash, Right? The desire for pleasure, it chokes them out. It, it, it suffocates them. It's like, it's like a, a hanging loose. These things are spiritual suicides. People get there. They're, 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 they're worshiping and wanting these things, and it's choking them out. And they don't even realize it's choking their life out. They're hanging themselves, right? And so that's why the Scripture gives a warning. It says, do not love the things of this world. If you love the things of the world, you do not love me, Right? What, he, what, what he's saying is don't be attached 
to this world, guys. Don't be attached to this world. I know Sean's been teaching through the book of Revelation. I just was re- I've been reading through the book of Revelation. And I'm looking at the destruction of this world in the future. Just read that book for those who like, want to blow your mind. That's the best sci-fi. If you want it all into that, it's truth, but it'll blow your mind. And the destruction that takes place through that book. Don't be attached to this world. It's all going to burn. It's all going to fade away. But we want to hold on. It's going to be like sand through our hands. We're only visiting. We're only citizens. We're citizens of heaven. We're only visiting this place. We're only passing through. So be mindful of that. Because why these people don't are become barren. They're unfruitful in their lives. They might have success in the world, but they're spiritually bankrupt. Tony Evans said this, if the devil can hinder you with difficulties, he will choke you with distractions. If the, if the devil can hinder you with difficulties, he will choke you with distractions. So be careful. But we close with verse 15. There's, here's, the, here's the happy ending. Here's the ending of the story, right? The word bears fruit in our lives. Look at 15. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with the noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. They hear the word. It fell on ripe and receptive ground, openness. It, it fell on good soil, right? They have a, a deep interest for those things. And they hold on to the word. And, they, and they're the persevering. They're persevering because they hold on to that truth. They're drawing near to God with the word. There's a hunger for God. And, he, and that person is being trained by the word of God. It's being equipped in the word of God. And there's a healthy desire for God when they hear it. I remember when I first got saved and I was going over to Whittier College playing football there and, and coming out of the, the background, I remember that every day I would go to my class, I'd go to practice, and in between then, I would go to a park and I would just read my word and I would just read it for hours because I just wanted it so much. I wanted to learn from it. I wanted to grow from it. I wanted it. I wanted to, to strengthen me. I wanted to learn of it. That's why I ended up going to Bible college, to study it, to learn it. Not only did they hear it, they received the word, they accepted it. It was the nutrients for them. It was the supernatural nutrients. It's the supplements, right? That you would, wouldn't be unfruitful. You would be fruitful, right? And so God is wanting to plant his truth, his word into your heart. And the word will dwell in you richly. And when it draws, dwells in you richly, you begin, you begin to obey it spiritually. You begin to do what it says. And let me tell you, when it gets planted in you, it'll, it'll come out. It'll come out. There'll be that desire. There'll be that conviction because the spirit will work. There'll be that hunger. The more you do it, the more you'll begin to say, man, God, you're doing something in me. I feel like I'm like this transformer. Like, what's going on with me? Why, why do I come to church and then I start crying when they do worship? Why, I didn't used to cry before, but now I just can't stop crying. And, and when I hear the word, there's something that spurs me up. And then I get excited and want to tell somebody, why is that happening? It's not because I'm a great preacher. It's because that's the spirit. It's the spirit. The spirit of God working in your life. I hear many people come to our church and say, man, we worship I don't know, like a little baby. Crying. I remember when I used to, guys, I know some guys from the mission. I don't know if you know this. I was a pastor of the mission for four years. I ministered to all the homeless. And I remember these guys would come in 
And they just want to be there because they just want to get off the ground. I was tired of sleeping on the sidewalk. They wanted a, a shelter and some food. And they would sit in the back of the chapel. And then back in that day when I was pastoring there, we had chapels every day, morning and evening. And I would preach every morning the gospel. We'd go through the gospels. And I remember they'd sit way in the back. I can't believe I got to sit in chapel. Sit in the back like this. Worship happened. Word, pow. Just hit him with the word. Three months later, brothers, they're sitting in the front row. Thank you, Jesus. Because the word, the Bible describes the word like a hammer. And if you keep sitting, the hammer is going, bah! It's just going to break the hardness of heart. The Bible is described like water, and the hardness will be softened by the water of the word. That's what happens if you keep sitting under the word. It will do something if you give it enough time to saturate in that dry and hard soil of the heart. It will go and it'll bear much fruit, right? Colossians says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. We'll bear 30, 60, 100 fold. What is it? There's different levels of, hey, not everybody's going to be a preacher, but we're going to have something to give and something to bless. We're going to have something to do, right? But we're also not only called to be equipped, we're called to be equippers. We're called to give and help others come to know Jesus. We're called to invest in others. See, a real disciple of Jesus multiplies himself. A real disciple of Jesus gets discipled, gets equipped, knows and learns, and then his job is to tell others to equip them that they would grow and learn that they could go tell others so they could get equipped. That's the real gospel. That's the real transformation. See, they don't become consumers, right? We just had Christmas. We go, we're consumers. We go to the mall and get what we want. The, we, I, don't, this, I don't want this to be a consumer church. So if you're just here to get, I don't mean to be mean, but I'm going to push you to give. Because we're not consumers in the faith, right? We're, we're not here. The most people that criticize the church are consumers. I didn't get this, and you didn't do this. And did it. Well, are you helping in those areas? No. You're a consumer. I want you to be a contributor. Because you find life when you contribute. You find blessings when you contribute. When you give and pour yourself out. And so when Paul writes young Timothy, he says, look at, don't make sure your church is not a consuming church, but it's a contributing church. What it says is, you therefore, my son, be strong in grace that in Christ Jesus, it's in Christ, right? And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, listen, Timothy, I gave you and I've equipped you and I blessed you. And the things that you heard from me, that's Paul, among many witnesses, commit these what? To faithful men, Pass it on to men that are walking, they're receiving, they're hungry, they're, they're the, they've been grounded, faithful men and women who will be able to teach others. Yeah. Do you see that's four generations? Paul, Timothy, faithful men, and others. Four generations. What's the next generation for the church? You therefore must endure hardship. Hmm. I just said the gospel ain't easy. Right? You must endure hardship as a good soldier. Not, no one entangled in the warfare entangles themselves in the affairs of this life that he might, may please him who enlists him as a soldier. That's God. We pour into others. People pour into us. We pour into others that they may pour into others, right? Jesus said, you cannot be my disciple if you don't bear much fruit. You cannot be my follower of the biblical Jesus if you don't bear fruit. You're a servant. We're all servants. And we're equipped for the work of ministry. And fruit is born out of the abiding. John 15, we'll get that when we get to the gospel of John, right? 
yet we're all gifted differently. There's some that will preach from this pulpit, and there's others that will preach behind a restaurant in a chair, sitting next to a friend, or at a job, or running an errand to take somebody that needs to go to the doctor's appointment, or however it is. Most of the ministry I did as a youth pastor, and I was a youth pastor for over 25 years, was taking kids back and forth to home and ministering to them. Right, Danny? Danny was in my youth group. Hanging out with kids, grabbing food. Going to take them places, run errands. That's when the real ministry is done. I mean, I love preaching, and this is great, but the real ministry is sitting down with somebody with lunch and just hanging and talking and breaking your word and having community. That's, that's life to life. That's, 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 that's the fluency of the gospel. That's gospel every day. That's just not gospel for two hours on a Sunday. It's living this thing out every single day. It's a part of you. It's like eating and breathing. It's just natural. And it's just being pouring out to other people, right? We're called to bear fruit. Joyce Huggett says this, just as the seed does not force itself on the soil, so the seed of the gospel never forces itself on the listener. It germinates and grows only where it is welcomed into the heart that are like soft, clean, and deep soil. God will grow if you're open it to grow. He will do that. As I close this morning, you've, you've, we, were, we looked at four different soils, four different people. But it looks like three don't make it in almost, right? It looks like, you know, the way, the way we ground, the storm, the thorns, the stones. But then there's the good ground. It's like, what, three-fourths don't make it in, one make it in? What is that, Lord? You're looking at percentages for your mathematicians out there, right? Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 13 and 14. Enter by the narrow gate. Far wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are very few who find it. He who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. So I close with this, guys. We are being equipped through Jesus' stories. We are being equipped by, you read Jesus' stories. We are being equipped by asking questions. It's okay to ask questions. Ask the hard questions. We are being equipped by that way. Equipping happens by learning spiritual truths. There is a battle. There's a warfare. This gospel is not a costless gospel. Equipping happens when we disciple others. When we take that and we pour into others. That's the gospel. Let's pray. Father heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this day and for your love and blessings, for your goodness and mercy and grace and Lord, I pray for your people this morning. Lord, I pray that the word has fallen on good soil. And Father, the word has been preached. The seed has been thrown out. Father, we've heard your story through Jesus' words. I'm praying for a happy ending. I'm praying for your people this morning as they're processing the words. Where are they in the story? What's their heart story? Lord, we want to be multipliers. We want to bear good fruit. Father, we want to be faithful in our fruit that you poured into us, that we can pour into others, that we can sit down and hang with people and talk with them and, and be with them and be in community with one another, to grow with one another, to hold each other accountable and, Lord, pray for one another and serve one another. These are all things by which we get equipped in. Lord, I pray for your people right now, Lord. If you're here this morning and maybe you found your, your, your identity in those other three besides the, the good ground. If you just raise your hand, I just want to pray for you. Maybe you just say, Lord, this, see you in the back. Anybody else? 
Just say, Anna, I see you, I see you, I see you. I see the hands being raised. Father, I pray for the hands that are being raised right now, Lord. Father, they heard your word and they're responding, Lord. I pray that you move them into the, 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 the good ground, the good soil right now, Lord. That they would hear your words, Lord, and you would pour into them the nutrients and the, the supplements they need now by your spirit, Lord, to grow in you. That they wouldn't be just this carnal consumer, but they'd be contributors because you're contributing to them that they could be contributors to others. So I'll pray for them now in Jesus' name. I pray. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.